this podcast we'll talk about running analytics in a media business stay tuned Welcome everyone to another episode of Future of Data podcast. Today we have with us an interesting guest, Clayton Kim. He is a director of data science at Tivo, responsible for managing the application of machine learning and statistical research on TV consumption data. Before Tivo, Clayton was with the senior manager of data science at Localytics, working on applying predictive intelligence to mobile app analytics and messaging. Clayton, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Beautiful. So, before we start, um, by the way, good choice of a Twitter handle. I think it's uh, the Clay <laughs> method, right? Yeah, it uh, actually came from my days when I was a personal trainer, so I decided to keep it. It's now my GitHub handle nice. and Instagram too. So, what what is Clay method? If you can share some some insights. You know, it covers a lot of things. Um, I think it's the data-driven approach to everything. So, in the world of physical training, you have like weightlifting, you have sprinting, you have different domains. In the world of data science, you have like machine learning and these principles that you can apply. But really, like data science can be applied to any aspect of life. Mm. And so, I did that with my personal training. I wanted to see like what made you stronger, what made you faster, what impacted your blood numbers and like really like quantifiable aspects of your body and performance that like you know a lot of other people in that space like just didn't they go completely by feel where it's like yeah you look a little better no i want measurements i want like actionable insights and like things that you can relate back to what you've been doing so this principle has applied through my career um first through like grad school and uh, when I was trying to make some side money as a trainer and then now as a data scientist. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the program is sponsored by jobfair at tau.ai. To learn more, go to jobfair, that's J-O-B-F-A-I-R dot T-A-O dot A-I. A fastest AI-driven way to help you find your next job. Do check them out. Let's get back to the podcast. So let's let's talk about your current role. So directors uh, of data science at Tivo. What what does it really mean? If you can if you can share with our audience. Sure. So Tivo, um, a lot of people know us as a DVR company, like recording, rewinding, like uh, live television. Tivo's evolved beyond that over the years because with these devices in the market. Um, and with this incredible intellectual property portfolio, we have created deals where we collect data on TV consumption habits, where like you know your set top boxes know what channels you're watching, what pieces of content you're viewing, and so what we do is we take that data and we provide insights based off of it. So half the team is really organized around creating panels. So based on this like relatively sparse. Um, for some aspects of uh, panel data, like TV consumption, we merge that in with like, you know, your consumption data, whether or not it's like, you know, pharmacy records, loyalty programs, things like that, so that advertisers can get a better sense of like, what kind of people are watching the show, what kind of value are they driving from the ads. Uh, The other half of the team is really dedicated to the predictive component of that. So given everything we know about the TV viewing audience, what can we do to predict their consumption, you know, three months from now where you have new fall series, prime time stuff, like even like overnight, daytime, whatever. We're trying to predict the ratings across all these shows so that advertisers can better place these advertisements for uh, consumption and make them more relevant to the viewer. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So... So the role itself, like the team is largely focused around research. Um, My background is much more engineering heavy. And so this has been an interesting transition in that, you know, going from an engineering role where you're trying to produce like machine learning APIs and like distributed data systems is something much more research focused where like, you know, you're trying to determine what set of algorithms are good at predicting TV consumption behavior. 
interesting interesting so um thank you thank you for for, for that update so let's let's talk about your journey to this role so if if you can just yeah. shed some light i think I, i briefly introduced but that barely covers uh, the the complete pack of of the the clay method so if you can if you can just walk <laughs> us through uh, like your journey to this role that would sure. be helpful yeah so i have a really non-traditional path to becoming a data scientist so i like to give a disclaimer anytime i tell the story about survivorship bias Um, I don't know if you follow the XKCD comic, but there's one about survivorship bias where like every right. TED talk should have a disclaimer where it's like uh, the little comic is like, um, you should play the lottery. You should put every dollar that you can into the lottery because eventually you will win. Right. And so like, you know, my non-traditional path may not be for everyone, but it worked for me. So mm-hmm. it goes from this. So um, undergrad, I studied um, mostly finance and neuroscience. So primarily around like human biological signals research right, with EEG and fMRI and then, you know, trying to quantify the stock market. Um, so that gave me a pretty good statistical backing for when I decided to go to law school for some reason. I thought that was going to be a great idea. Um, <laughs> turns out it wasn't. Law is like very anti-innovation, uh, kind of boring. So I decided to leave that and go into industry. Um, I worked around as an analyst um, at a in the agency world for a bit actually where um, advertisers were finally getting the sense that like agencies really need to provide good reporting and good analytics to show ROI on their campaigns rather than just like kind of throwing them out there with social and so I worked with this agency hyphen to create that department around analytics Um, along the way I had side projects where I was building like you know multi-arm banded ab testing APIs and like um, like computer vision um, detect like methods for detecting manufacturing faults so I was just like picking up side projects here and there to like really hone my skills to become a better data scientist um, along the way I got um, picked up by the startup in San Francisco called Big Link. Uh, they were in the affiliate marketing space, so ad tech. Worked for them for a little bit. And along the way, one of my clients from my freelancing days got acquired by Localytics and needed mm. a new head of data science. And so they brought me on board to start that department, build out their predictive analytics capabilities, since the customers are apps. Uh, think like, you know, Hulu, the Weather Channel, Nordstrom, mm-hmm. like if you are a major player in the app space, like chances are you use like Adobe, Localytics, right. like Mixpanel or like, you know, one of the five big players. And so my charter there was to be able to predict user app behavior, primarily around user retention, since retention is a huge problem within the mm-hmm. app space where like, you know, chances are you're churning out like 50 to 80% of your users every single month and you're spending tons of money trying to acquire new users getting them to download. And so like even chipping away at that problem provides huge value. Mm. And then um, I was looking for something else, came to TiVo uh, where I got the opportunity to lead a larger team. And so here uh, we're much more focused around the research component, but really trying to bring in the discipline of like software engineering and shipping products to a team that was mostly focused on research and like making that transition has been what I've been working on. Interesting. I think it it, it definitely sounds like your, your play method because like going to a gym, it's, 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 you're just brushing up your skills at, at totally different discrete sort of silos. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that um, with our audience. So let's let's talk about um, analytics on the media side. I think you're since you're coming from the agency and 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 it's like what have you seen? Like what are some of your observation of how the industry is shifting or or like what are some of your, some of your thoughts on from the from the time when you landed in this industry to the time today when you're say working with TiVo, understanding like how has the industry shifted? Whether it comes to how they consume data or how, whether it 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 it, it comes to Uh, the use of AI or whatever these uh, new buzzwords that we hear all every day about. Do you, do you have some insights uh, on those? If I, if I had a nickel for every time <laughs> I hear, uh, like, it's the big one these days has been AI. But when I started, it was big data. Uh, everyone wants to get involved with big data, but didn't really know what it meant. Uh, hmm. So when I started with the media industry, 
they were just kind of getting used to these new metrics around social where like, you know, with TV and internet advertising, the keyword searches, like um, media companies were like pretty used to monitoring metrics and like being data driven. But with social, they all hired like, you know, 23 year old kids out of college that like were good at Twitter and like had them running accounts and had no accountability or really like any way to measure ROI there. And then um, throughout my career, I've seen that like, you know, this has shifted over to agencies and like full teams that this has just become another channel for companies to reach their audiences. Uh, that being said, there's still a lot of fragmentation within the media industry where you have some companies that are super mature and like really good at this, where they have processes that are very data driven and other companies that are just kind of like shooting from the hip. And so like mm. you'd be surprised how many like large media companies I've seen that have no idea what they're doing in the app space because they're just not used to seeing those metrics. They have no idea how to correlate that with like, you know, their previous world of set top boxes. And so my role um, with local Linux is really to get these companies to buy in and build these uh, metrics and like these insights into their day-to-day business practices, because like without it, then you're just kind of throwing things into the ether and like hoping that they stick rather than really being able to assess performance. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the program is sponsored by Jobfair at Tau.ai. To learn more, go to Jobfair, that's J-O-B-F-A-I-R dot T-A-O dot A-I. A fastest AI-driven way to help you find your next job. Do check them out. Let's get back to the podcast. Interesting. Interesting. So I, I think I, I always wonder, um, and, and I had this conversation with, I think uh, that we, we had two guests before um, who, 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 who they were from the agency side and, and we had a good conversation around how much of uh, they think data actually help in, in, in something like a creative industry. Like, do you have, do you have any yeah. perspective on that? I, I know that you have some industry bias. But uh, but from 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 your understanding, like, do you have that? How efficient is data when you talk about understand or predicting creative outcomes? Sure. So, like, predicting creative outcomes is a really hard problem because, like, you never know what's going to go viral. If you were yeah. able to like train a model to determine if a video is able to go viral, you would make lots and lots of money. Right. And so. I think the value there is around iteration. It's like all relative to what you know. So, you know, you have, you know, piece of content A versus piece of content B. You can know that like A performs better than B and then you still rely on that human component of figuring out like what made A better than B. And you're able to iterate more rapidly and experiment, which I think is the value that like data brings to the, um, the media space is to like determine like what is your um, like what inter- like what is better than the other. The other piece of that is around audience segmentation. So not everything is going to be objectively better than anything else. Um, it really matters on who you're targeting. And so if you have a piece of content that is underperforming, like maybe you're just reaching the wrong audience, maybe you're segmenting to the wrong people. And so that's where data can really provide value because you have so much data about the consumption of media, um, whether it's on mobile, like people have these devices in their pockets that they're just on all day that uh, you're constantly consuming and you're recording those events and seeing like what they would want. And so based on that, you could segment out portions of your population, of your audience that really get good that can get a piece of content and resonate with it where um relevant content is a lot more valuable than like you know just you know generally good content interesting and 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 so let's talk about some of the interesting use cases that that you're seeing data deliver in your industry so like what are some of the interesting insights that that you think that um or, or if, if you can or, or let's take it from a from a fresher's uh, perspective. So if I'm a fresher in the industry, and and I was asked to put together use data for decision making, uh, what what are some of the initial what, what are some of the 
steps you would you would sort of suggest for for someone like me to to pursue sure so um within the media space there are at least in tv there's like two kind of like there's a holy war that's occurring right there you have the traditional linear tv and then you have digital each has its own trade-offs with digital uh, you know, you can go on Hulu and you're watching, you know, your show and you could have an ad that is targeted directly at you. Uh, while TV, you have to get the same ad as, you know, however many millions of people are watching that channel. And so that's an assessment that needs to be made around like ROI, where you can do attribution on both, where TV, you have your statistical panels, you have like, you know, uh, down the line purchasing data that you can uh, merge in with that. And, you know, what determination for ROI can you get? What mm. uh, measurements can you take? Like, what is the impact that you're making on your business? While with uh, digital, it's a lot easier because you have cookies. Um, so you have a direct cookie from an ad click or, you know, you have an ad impression that's also cookied. And you go all the way through a purchase funnel on a website and that's like directly attributable. So like, what kind of resolution do you need on your data in order to gather insights? TV is still, linear TV is still the best in terms of reaching a large audience mm. and to do it relatively cheaply uh, from pure CPM standpoint. Like, you know, Google keywords can get insanely expensive for like insurance, um, but, uh, or like insurance, airlines, like particular industries, like really that like dense portion away from the long tail, like can get very, very expensive, but you're reaching a more target audience. Well, TV, you're sacrificing some of that granularity for mm. just that spread. Interesting, interesting. So um, let's let's talk about um, like your perspective on say. In, in, so there is there is a there's a third screen mobile. There is um, a sort of TV. Then there's a laptop. Like how do um, how do basically your data science practice or 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 monitor data so are there classifiers for these three entities like different when it, when it, when you when you talk about their consumption or or do do you treat like content and and these three are like three distribution channel like how do you perceive a content uh, delivered through this platform from the data data science stand or monitoring standpoint sure so from a, an analytic standpoint they're very different because they're all completely different data streams um so from like a logistic standpoint it's just like hard to deal with however conceptually you don't want to have to think about them as like you know watching tv um on linear tv versus like on demand versus you know on a streaming center on the laptop versus a mobile app like really like the industry is moving towards a place where you think about TV as any way that an individual can watch like serialized content that's typically on the order of like 30 minutes to an hour um, on any device. And um, we are uh, like, we as a data science organization are uh, really pushing to be on the forefront of that of providing the metrics and the insights and like the thought leadership around how to view TV, regardless of w where people are watching it. Interesting, interesting. I think so. Um, thank you so much for kindly share and talking about those these some of the interesting points and helping us understand the industry a bit better. So let's let's talk about um, the talent in the industry. So let's talk about data scientists. <laughs> that's I think that's uh, a very that's... typical cliche, right? So whatever. So can you define a typical data scientist uh, in media business? Sure. So data science, um, I'd always say, is a loaded term uh, since it could really mean anything. I think the industry has been getting better at defining what that role is, but like it can mean anything from, you know, a machine learning engineer to someone that's a data platform engineer, data visualization person um, to like, you know, someone that was traditionally an analyst. And so it really depends on the team and what you're trying to accomplish. I think for smaller companies, like it should really be much more engineering focused since mm. you're trying to deliver product. It doesn't matter that you can, you know, get some like large convolutional neural network to fit some like, you know, some training set like 5% faster. Like that is not gonna, that's not what's mm. gonna bring your company value early on. If you're Google or Facebook, yeah, that provides tons of value. But if you are a 100 person startup trying to start up your, like get a data science team together, 
you don't want to hire some researcher that slings our code and like has never brought anything into production before. So really, um, I focus on engineering skills since, um, you know, like if you can't write code and if you can't write code that communicates well to others, then like you don't provide value within an organization. You're just going to be in a silo, like on your ivory tower, pontificating mm. about algorithms and then like no value will come from it. Like these are still businesses. Um, so that being said, I am a big believer in around data science mentorship. This is still a young field. There's a lot of young talent that's hungry to get into it and a lot of energy, but not a lot of great resources to like mold them into productive members of teams. Uh, data scientists in a lot of organizations still are thought of as like, in, like you know, largely just like individual solo contributors that like churn away on a problem and like, you know, eventually come up with a solution, maybe not. They like throw it over to some developers, they take six months to translate some R code into Java, and like that's all a nightmare. Like I would much rather have like a cohesive team that can work together, that can communicate with engineering and work with them along the way so that you build and deliver a superior product in far less time. Like will all those people be able to provide like cutting edge tech in AI? No, but chances are if you're, if you're within like the first three years of your data science org starting up, like you're gonna be implementing open source solutions anyway. Like right. you're not going to be doing like tons of custom implementations, like XGBoost already exists. Like you don't need to reinvent the wheel. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the program is sponsored by job fair at tau.ai. To learn more, go to job fair. That's J O B F A I R dot T A O dot AI. A fastest AI driven way to help you find your next job. Do check them out. Let's get back to the podcast. Interesting, interesting. So, uh, thank you for sharing that. So, let's let's talk about. Um, uh, I think one thing that 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 I, I talk to most of the people from coming from the from the media industry. So, media is again it's a very creative industry, right? So, and yeah. and typically I, I I I use the saying of art of doing business and science of doing business, right? So, data provides a science of doing business and like a uh, company like media or, or marketing, they are pretty much like art of doing business using somewhat science of doing business to get things done. Right. And, and yeah. so like now let, let me uh, hear your perspective on what do you think your industry is up to? Like are, uh, how efficient are they in, in mixing these two uh, 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 capabilities, art vis-a-vis of science working together to deliver an outcome? Like, what is your personal take on what you're seeing in the industry? Like, how uh, how are they using data today to... And, and, and you sure. shared a bunch of things previously as well. But yeah, I'd love to know your uh, your point of view. Sure. So, um, as you said before, with the buzzwords, mm-hmm. um, you know, going from AI, big data to machine learning to now AI, uh, people are hungry to use the data. Like they want to be able to use it, even if they have no training in it. If you're purely a creative, like you're still curious about like what the data says about your work Hmm. and merging the art and the science of business comes down to communication. And Hmm. I think that's a skill that a lot of data scientists lack. Hmm. You typically hire out of, you know, like PhD programs and quantitative fields. And there's not a lot of training in those worlds on like how to sell an idea how to get people to buy in and believe that the data is telling the story that you want them to believe. And so I put a lot of emphasis around uh, communication, uh, presentation skills, like, and of course, listening skills. Mm-hmm. Because like, you know, data scientists cannot function in, in, in a business, like in a silo, like they have to work with other functional organizations you want to work with an art department, like you have to be able to speak their language. And it is not about dumbing things down. Like that's the last thing you want to do when you're trying to communicate to someone else in a, in a different uh, business context. Like you actually just need to make the content more relatable. And that takes training and things outside of like coding and machine learning. This is like an interpersonal skill that like is typically required in a business context that since data science is such a new field, like we haven't been held to those standards. And I have very much been pushing my people and everyone that I work with to be better communicators. 
interesting interesting i think that's very well said so now let's talk about i think and this we hear a lot about since as, as you said it's a new industry and and people are just trying to get um, get started in data science so there is always a first people in the group problem that most of most of people that we talk to are facing that hey they are they are told they are putting together a, a a group in data science or a practice in data science or a product in data science so what are some of the initial um, or or five or four or five steps that you could recommend to someone who is told to put together a data science team or practice uh, within an organization or group sure so I think that the first thing to avoid um, is hiring a pure academic. Um, I've seen dozens of companies do this, where they hire someone that has like purely worked in academia and, and um, has no like sense of delivering solutions and like the speed in which you would require in a business, and also like communicating these findings and like really like getting buy-in from the rest of the organization. Like they're so focused on research that they like might end up producing an algorithm that like fits to some data set that they've acquired, but. Um, you know, like building a product around that is completely different. So I actually focus around engineers, engineers who are hungry to do data science, um, people who have like side projects where they like create an app that can recognize if things are a hot dog or not. Like that would be an ideal case for someone um, within your organization to like start are the data science practice where you have an existing engineer, they work nights and weekends on something where they're like learning about data science, learning about implementing these open source models and already understands your business, already understands your architecture to like really lead that charge. Um, from there, you might need some specialists, but like I tend to staff um, data science teams like a heist crew. Uh, mm. I don't know if you've ever seen Ocean's Eleven, but mm. uh, that's like my ideal team. Um, in this context, of course, I am George Clooney, Danny Ocean, but <laughs> along the way, you need like someone who can handle the details where like they are a good machine learning engineer or, you know, someone who understands the business problem. Um, you need your demolitions expert, someone who can mm -hmm. like put things into practice and is dangerous enough to make it work. You need your living Sindel, that nervous IT guy who mm -hmm. sweats and tells you that all your ideas are impossible because like, you know, they're not on. Uh, scalable servers it's like it's like you know your problem is not horizontally scalable or it's not monitored properly like you need proper monitoring and versioning in your in your apis otherwise like it's going to fail like any other bad engineering project Interesting. and then of course like you know yeah you need uh the mormon twins the uh more junior guys that handle a lot of legwork because 90 percent of the time Data science is just janitorial work. You're dealing with malformed JSON, rows or like columns in the database that you don't understand because they were made like eight years ago by some engineer that quit the company like long before you got there. Like these things are real problems in data science and it's going to take up a ton of your time. And so you want someone who is a fully capable engineer that can build solutions end to end and understand the problem rather than someone who is laser focused on small, some small subset of, um, the overall problem interesting interesting so i think your top advice for, for someone to start this practice is to go and watch ocean 11 and then probably recruit yeah. these guys <laughs> that that's not, not that yeah. bad for the first day yeah so <laughs> yeah and also like if you they're also all capable thieves yeah. and i think that's the analogy I, that i, I want to bring to this is that like in this case instead of thievery software engineers like you're all capable coders and that is the core skill that you you want everyone to have no and I, then I of think course it, each one has a specialty i, I think you're spot on I, I used to tell them go and watch avengers but i think uh, I, I would i would like your your uh, analogy better <laughs> because they, they are they're still humans trying to solve a, a, a very collective out so i think that's that's good so let's let's sure, talk about i do own a large hammer so <laughs> i guess we can go oh. with the avengers are out <laughs> IT would love uh, seeing large hammer, um, so sure. So let's 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 talk about um, su some success KPIs that 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 you see in your industries. If you can if you can shed some light on what like as as, as a data science practitioner uh, in uh, in in your industry of, of like digital and content and media, like what are some of some of the some of the like normal KPIs that that you look for as a success metric? Uh, for delivering your outcome, if you can shed some light on that. 
Sure. So I think of data science as any other engineering discipline where, mm-hmm. like, you know, you would have like mobile developers, front end, back end, data platform, like any of those are like different disciplines within engineering, but are all held to like similar KPIs where you have like team velocity, delivery rates, um, um, team retention, like, like you, it's not so new that you cannot apply existing like frameworks that have worked in the past with other engineering organizations. Um, so, you know, let's say your data science team works in a traditional two week sprint. A lot of organizations, they just like allow people to like research and research and research, iterate and iterate and iterate forever until like they come up with the result and like some report that gets thrown on a confluence page somewhere that like doesn't do anything. I would much rather have this thing time box to two weeks mm-hmm. um, and that deliverable being like a recommendation of like, you know, what we know and a recommendation of like whether or not we should continue. And mm-hmm. so keeping the team to like these velocity standards that you have with any other agile organization is like super important. Um, along the way, like data scientists are like, you know, very, very, um, typically hard to retain. Like one, there's a lot of demand for seasoned data scientists out there. So it's really easy to jump ship. And two, um, like, you know, they, like it's a personality type that gets bored easily. Like a lot of us became data scientists because we want to solve interesting problems. And if mm. you're not giving them interesting problems that are engaging, like uh, they'll go find new ones, especially the good ones will. So are you able to keep your data scientists engaged, but at the same time, are you able to keep them focused? And so that's the dichotomy that you have to uh, balance as a manager. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, um, and I think one one question I have for you for sure is uh, your perspective on importance of data scientist in data science. So, like, do you have a perspective there? Yeah, I think it's extremely important that there are people that can understand the data. I think that a good data scientist will make herself obsolete every six months, where they have everything that they've worked on and they've automated it away that they have the rest of the organization bought in on it, that everyone else understands the problem and that like they are now obsolete. And of course, along the way they have picked up new skills and found new problems to do that and just continue that cycle and keep driving value within the organization. Interesting. Interesting. So um, now, now let's talk about some of the interesting companies uh, that, that you, you see around doing some interesting works like do you have do you have any um, any companies or any solutions or any products that you do really love what they are doing how they're implementing it and their strategy if you can share some shed some light on that sure so i really admire airbnb's uh, data science team um it's a large team but there is an incredible education component around it they have this like university uh mini university within the organization where there are resources to learn different techniques. And not everyone is going to be an expert in every data science technique, but they provide the resources for people to learn things that they need to do in order to work on projects. They also have like, you know, a few great open source projects that really shed some light into the way the teams work and the teams can like collaborate together. Um, on the content side, Stitch Fix, I think, produces incredible content where they are really good at communicating aspects of data science and machine learning to, uh, you know, a less technical person in a really mm. beautiful, like, storytelling type blog. Um, and then, of course, Spotify, I think they're doing amazing work around the machine learning space. They were like, you know, one of the first big Hadoop clusters, like they were the cutting edge of Spark. Um, for recommendations like so they have been pushing the envelope with the data science team for you know the last several years and so I admire them a lot as well interesting I think so you raised an interesting point by the way so um, we hear a lot from many businesses who are anxious about getting the AI uh, talent pool so so they they say hey you know who should we hire right and and, um, so I said okay what's your problem that you're trying to solve? Like machine learning itself means pretty much nothing, right? It's just, mm-hmm. what are the applications? So like, what are some of some of your thinking um, if someone 
uh, is anxious to hire, say, the buzzword or the the buzziest word nowadays is, is machine learning and AI. Like, what is what what sort of some of the things that comes to your mind that at least the practitioner who is getting into those roles should ask or should know before stepping in and 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 not really burning himself down, not knowing where they're in how and how they're emerging. So, what are some of your thoughts? Right. So like as soon as someone says that they need a neural network or some AI implementation to solve a problem, I like immediately ask them what their problem is and like to get them to critically think about like whether or not you actually do need that. Because like 99% of the time, like a problem can be solved, like a model can be fit around like XGBoost or random forest and it'll do like Mm. almost as good of a job and you don't need to set up a cluster of GPU machines to like actually solve like to train your model. Um, which I think is something that people forget about. It's like if you have this like huge operational expense of like maintaining a new type of cluster in order to like train this data or you're just like lacking expertise. Um, I think that one big thing that data science as a whole um, can benefit from and anyone thinking about data science as well is around discipline. Data scientists are great, they're creative thinkers, they tackle new and interesting problems, but uh, I'm seeing a lot of lack of discipline within Mm. these teams where they're not adhering to any real coding standards, um, you know, versioning their models properly, like, you know, documenting things well. And like people thinking about data science, like they're not disciplined in that, they're not thinking about that problem, that they're not thinking about like, what is the minimum investment that you can make to get value and iterating on it like if you already have like you know a fairly sophisticated model in production that's serving you know 10,000 requests per second like then maybe Mm. it's time to think about a neural network but like the first step should not be you know going straight to a neural network that is your sprint that is like you need to walk or you need to like crawl walk and run before you get to that full-on sprint interesting interesting and now let's let's talk about culture. I think um, so. Tivo is is, is substantially a big company, and yeah. um, with bigger companies come bigger challenges, right? When it comes to culture, or oh, sorry, uh, I, I you I lost you for a second. So so with with bigger company comes bigger challenges. I think they have a, they have a stronger culture. They have they have a stronger perceptions. So like uh, for 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 people who are tackling say uh, data science problems in bigger companies. Like, do you have some some insights for those guys? Um, what 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 are some of the things they could do to to overcome these these challenges? Yeah, so of course, any larger company, it's a bigger ship. It's harder to turn. Um, that being said, there's definitely areas that you could carve out and establish ownership in. So the biggest skill that you can have for you to add value in a larger company is communication without being able to get other people to buy in on these ideas, like whether or not they're even possible uh, or like, you know, worthwhile in terms of investments, like, because people are just used to the way they're doing things is to like communicate with them, get them bought in, get them to believe your story. Um, Otherwise you won't get anywhere. Like you will not get anywhere in a large organization working in like, you know, you're at your desk all the time. Right. You have to get people to like work on the problem with you, and get them excited about it. Interesting. So, so let's 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 talk about you for for, for a few minutes. So, right. what what is that that drove you into this industry? Like, what like do you if if you can shed some light of why you picked media and 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 mobile and and at least the the ad side of 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 that that landscape. Sure. So I really like these industries because it touches so many people. Um, There are billions of mobile users in the world and billions of TV watchers in the world. Um, At that level, like you are able to cause like large shifts in human behavior. And I want to be able to quantify those and like be able to understand them and help companies drive value from that. Um, I like that problem a lot better than like, you know, a smaller, like, you know, manufacturing problem where like, you know, one of the pro- uh, projects I had when I first started out was like determining, um, predicting faults and contact lenses. And like, yes, that was a really cool algorithmic solution, mm-hmm. but like, it wasn't the, the level of impact that I wanted to have on a product. <laughs> in, 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 interesting. Um, so, um, 
what about someone who who wants to get into this industry like what what do you what suggestion or advice you can you can give them like how if suppose i want to get uh, get into this industry what are some of the things i i, I should do uh, in like if i want to tackle data science in say mobile or or media business or like what are some of the thoughts that that that, that i should right do? So like even within like you know mobile companies the skills and competencies required to be a data scientist within them are like vary dramatically and so I can't really prescribe any set of skills that are really useful except for communication communication is like the grand basis of like succeeding anywhere in business um Outside of that, I recommend getting a good mentor. I think that data science really mentorship point. is something that's been lacking um, because, like, there's just not that many of us. It's not as disciplined of a field. Like, if you go and talk into any other field, UX design, sales, like, you can find mentors out there who can tell you exactly what you need to do and save yourself a lot of time. Like, when I was learning to become a data scientist, I wasted a lot of time. I learned R. I learned Java. I learned Python. I like didn't know what to go down. I took Andrew Wang's machine learning course. I took the MIT one. I took the Caltech one. Like, and I didn't know where I would find value. Well, if I like now when I mentor people, like I tell them exactly like you want to go learn Python and Pandas and you want to like, you know, take these Coursera classes and that'll give you a good basis. And then like, you know, try to get some side projects, put them up on GitHub. Like that would have saved me an immense amount of time that I think would be helpful for anyone trying to break into this industry or even people who are already practitioners that want to progress up the chain. Like I think that that's, uh, people component is super important. I think you, you hit on the nail here. I think um, I, I totally agree. Um, and then uh, I, I would, re I would love to reiterate to our audience that yes, I think mentorship, like many of, uh, and, and we also use the word called buddy system. So I think even like, so we, we did a brief survey within our community, figuring out, um, their most of the challenges and what do they know? And, and, and that sort of things. And then after a while we realized that from, from the, the skill map, like I know this and whatever, and my challenges, I want to learn this, or this is my aspirational skill. And this is my current skill. We created kind of a, a map of all these mentors who like, who could mentor, who, which kind of candidates. And so we realized that just by having a healthy mentor and buddy network, you are spot on. Like most of the people that we talk to and even businesses, they're spending both like a lot of money and, and resources figuring out what to do. And then this could be easily solved yeah. with, by talking to the right people, as, as you rightly pointed out, that you have some experience. You have wasted your time figuring it out. If everyone is wasting their time figuring it out, that's that's not efficient. Uh, so I think I totally spot on. I think that's 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 very, very, very good piece of advice there. Yeah, so one of the things I like to do um, as side projects is to take companies on and consulting gigs and help them set up data science teams. Uh, seeing what their needs are, whether or not they're a 10 person startup, 200 person, or like, you know, a multi thousand person company, like they all have different needs. And of course, connecting that to the right talent. Um, so for companies, it's thinking about the problem sets that you have critically and determining like, do you need data science there? Or is this actually an engineering problem? Like, is machine learning really required to do this? Or can you just apply like, you know, some if statements that like get you 90% of the way there? Like really right. thinking critically about that problem. Well, on the data science side, on the people side, it's connecting to the right people. Like, yes, I'm uh, at least a half decent engineer, like, okay, data scientist, petty dabbler in machine learning, whatever. But um, you ask me to handle a geospatial algorithm, I like wouldn't even know what to do. It'd be like hiring someone on like their first day out of college. So right. um, like it's about that connection of problem to talent. And I like facilitating that transaction. <laughs> I think that's interesting. So um, I was actually, when you were saying this, I was thinking about this. Um, so you you pointed out earlier, engineer, engineers are, are, are the best sort of ingredients in the soup of data science, right? So now, uh, wh what is the hope for someone who is not an engineer? Like what are some of, what do you think about those guys who are, what are some of the key insights or, or key, key solutions for those guys who want to get into this industry, but they're not a typical engineer uh, mold? Well, uh, there's like a few ways to go about it. So if you are 
a researcher, like domain expertise in like computer vision or like a particular set of algorithms, like you can work for a larger company where like your engineering jobs aren't really as much on the line. Like if you're working for like a Google or an Amazon or Facebook, like as long as your domain expertise is up to snuff, like then you're then you're probably going to be fine. Um, as for everyone else out there that doesn't have a PhD in something super specific and like sellable, um, it's a little bit harder. So, so I actually relate data science to CrossFit a lot. Um, <laughs> this is the analogy that I've been using. Uh, bear with me on this one because it actually goes somewhere. So <laughs> CrossFitters. Um, CrossFit is an exercise program, kind of cultish. I did that for a few years. Um, don't judge me. But... <laughs> It's like, you know, there's weightlifting, there's gymnastics, there's running, there's like everything that you could think of. Like CrossFitters say that they are stronger than marathon runners and faster mm. than weightlifters. But at the same time, they are typically extremely mediocre at both. Um, if you go to high levels of CrossFit, um, the actual component when you're competing in that, in that sport that is on the line is actually strength. And so for data mm. scientists, they are better at software engineering than statisticians and better at statistics than software engineers. However, they also tend to be fairly mediocre at both. In order to excel as a data scientist, like you need to either specialize a little bit and like get very good at one thing, or the general success criteria for CrossFitters is strength. So you want to get very strong. The general success criteria for data scientists is typically software engineering. So you want to get good at coding. You want to get good at working in teams and building software. Interesting, interesting. So uh, thank you. So I think that's that's again uh, our audience be uh, start doing CrossFits. So good <laughs> and the other part them. of that is, um, and I'm going to use another metaphor here. It's like building a house. Hmm. Um, and instead of building a house, like you know, you have your coding skills. Well, if you are building a house, you don't. Like, you could have either like an artisanal woodworker that can make like a really beautiful like you know mantle on top of a fireplace. But you can't build an entire house with that. You need guys that like put up drywall. Uh, right. and that's what a software engineering team is. They take like prefabricated components, they put it into place, they like screw it together. Like it's a system. An architect has already designed this for them and they work together as a team. You get a bunch of like artisans in there and you're going to get like a structurally unstable mess, which is what a lot of data science and machine learning products are. And so it doesn't require a lot to be a good software engineer. You don't have to be like a Russian hacker that can solve like algorithm challenges. You just need to be able to work in a team and work competently with like good coding practices. I think that's, uh, again, uh, beautifully said. So uh, thinking of this as, as a modular problem and, and, and basically tackling each module that, that completes all the pieces together. I think that's, 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 that's very well said. So now, now let's talk about, do you read? Uh, I try. Awesome. So, like, what what are some of your favorite <laughs> reads that you could recommend uh, our, our audience uh, to follow? Hmm. So, uh, let's see. Lately, I've been focusing a lot more on like managerial and kind of like lifestyle books. I like really appreciate um, Tim Ferriss's work, not necessarily hmm. for all the recommendations strictly, <laughs> since like he recommends a lot of like kind of crazy stuff out there. Like I'm on board with this kettlebell swing routine and some of the supplements he takes, but like other ones, it's like, come on, man, you're making a lot of money off of affiliate sales on Amazon yes. here. Yes. <laughs> but I really enjoy the principles of chunking and learning where he mm. takes anything like a language, like learning Korean mm. and breaking that into independently practicable parts and like honing those parts separately and bringing it all together uh, to accelerate your own learning and development. So it's like the most important thing that you could do as uh, you know, as a human being is to learn. And mm. so like, I really appreciate the way he is able to take down these concepts. Like we have an entire book dedicated to cooking that he breaks it down. It's like, okay, you want to learn how to like chop things well. Like, okay, we're going to have recipes where you, all you're doing is like really chopping things, chopping and, like, things. throwing them into an oven or versus like sauteing versus, you know, like, Bang, like Julian cutting, like just all independently practical skills that you can bring together, but can be learned on their own. No, I think uh, you're spot on again. Uh, uh, shout out to Tim Ferriss. I think he is a maestro when it comes to sort of mod again modularizing things and just making a mass. And I think he had figured this piece out. And I would think that someday he'll put out a book uh, how to create a rocket in four hours a week or something. He can. Like, <laughs> he had figured at least that piece out of how to how to sort of uh, compartmentalize into sort of very 
efficient chunks and deliver on those yeah. outcome i think uh, rightly said so uh, thank you so much for sharing that so uh, i think we are almost at the tail end of our conversation um, uh, clayton yeah. so let's let's talk about your next ideal hire what would that be and if you can if you can sketch that that <laughs> magical mythical creature uh um, sure so i am actually looking for this role right now so if any listeners out there feel like uh working in the media space in boston i am looking for a machine learning engineer to work on the data science team so because the team is primarily researchers not a lot of experience delivering um like you know production or the code i need someone who can go in and mentor people someone who can take on like you know three or four people at a time and bring them up to these standards keep them disciplined um because like it's not enough to train a machine learning model right like you mm. need to put it into production so what does that mean um you need to persist it into some database you need to serve it in an api you want to version it so that like you know when you bring out your next iteration of the model like does it perform better you need monitoring on it like you need to know like know how many requests per second that it's serving because if it's lagging behind is like if it horizontally scalable like you need all these engineering components around actually serving machine learning models right. that like without that it's really hard to bring value to a product and so I'm looking for that hire that can bring the data science team um like you know half manager half uh you know code slinger that can mm-hmm. like really accelerate the team beautiful so um and 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 clinton so before before we part ways i love to know uh, your closing remarks for our audience like what uh, if if you can if you can share some uh, what do you think are yeah sure so the point that i want to bring home is around mentorship um whether or you are an aspiring data scientist or someone practicing or an executive like a mentorship is extremely valuable for the community um it's one very rewarding on its own you like learn a lot through teaching others and so for the more experienced data scientists out there like you'll be surprised on what you will learn while you are guiding someone else and for the aspirants um find a find someone who you want to be and you know like lie cheat and steal just beg them for some mentorship there because they can save you an incredible amount of time on getting through that journey so like really emphasizing building that community of data scientists out there because like we should have out like not everyone knows everything and you never know when your mentee will be like you know will be a hot shot interesting i think couldn't have said any better so as uh, i think mentorship is pretty much this talk uh, and and you have showed in many ways that why why do we need why do we need mentor so thank you clayton again uh, for for spending time with with us with our community and sharing your candid thoughts on the industry shedding lights on why ocean 11 is a, is a good movie and why crossfit is a good program so thank you so much um, and and um looking forward to having you again back on the show sometime later to discuss your journey and 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 sharing some of your other insights um that yeah, that, that are, awesome thank you so much